Welcome to the Legendarium. Perhaps you read a special edition that we did not have? <laughs> I'm sure it was it's in there. We just missed it. It wasn't even the Legendarium edition. <laughs> Somebody went in and grabbed your copy and slipped, you know, 10 pages of Fifty Shades of Grey into it or something. <laughs> that, that wasn't Winter's Heart. <laughs> it's, uh, this this Tarangriel seems to be made of red velvet. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to episode number 141, I think it is. I can't remember, honestly. 140-something. We are continuing on with our Winter's Heart discussion. This is part two, and uh, we've got a lot to get through, so I'll do a, a few quick little notes, and then we'll dive right in. So, as always, please join the discussion at thelegendarium.reddit.com and support the show at patreon.com legendarium. And don't forget that coming up on our Crossroads of Twilight episodes, we will start a giveaway for a hardcover Legendarium Edition uh, Crossroads of Twilight. Uh, it's going to be fun. If you don't remember exactly what's going into that, then uh, go back to episode number 140 and we explain that at the beginning. I don't want to waste a whole bunch of time on that now because we have a ton to get through. When we left at on the last episode... We had just barely kind of dug into the Reddit comments and questions that people had left for us. And so I don't want to come to the end of this episode and realize that we had shortchanged our listeners there uh, who took the time to leave some questions and comments. Because they were good ones. So Because, yeah, there were some good ones. So I want to get right into it. Um, and let's, let's start with... Um, it, Again, so this is Winter's Heart, and uh, let's go to Farm Matting, where uh, Ran has gone to hunt down some Ashaman. Um, after Ran plots a pretty brutal extrajudicial extra killing in Farm Matting, how dark does he have to get before he's no longer a good guy? So is Ran still a good guy? Uh, I, well, yeah. No. <laughs> You can be a protagonist without being a particularly good guy. Just ask Walter no. White. He's, well, he's no, he's the only reason he's currently still classified as a good guy is because he is going to face the Dark One, the a greater evil than than the destruction that he's he's been wreaking. Right. Well, and this is the whole point of uh, Cad Swain and Soralia, is it? Their discussion: um, him getting harder versus getting stronger. Right. Yeah. And mm -hmm. and how. Cad Swain is going to make him laugh and cry again. Mm -hmm. She's going to bring his humanity back. Which, by the way, she's doing an awful job of. Awful. <sighs> she's... I really hope, I really sincerely hope that there is a time when Rand comes around and does that. I, I said in the last one that I, I wanted him to be, uh, to be, to get more humanity back. But I sincerely hope that Cad Swain has almost no effect on that on him so that it's a total failure on her part because I just hate her that much <laughs> and I want Rand to figure it out on his own and have for Cad Swain to be like well God, dang what a waste of time yeah you know? <laughs> or maybe it's not Cad Swain but it's his three simultaneous lays that help him figure it all out that that's a weird that's a weird part of this book um, I don't remember there being three simultaneous well ones. okay it's fine. coming wait it's one it's one but since it's they're all super bonded, awkward, they're, since oh. they're all bonded, it's basically like this. <laughs> it's a mind orgy. Oh, jeez. 
Uh, well, and, and not just them, but... There's our new Reddit flare. Mind orgy. <laughs> it's a mind orgy. Oosquai oh, <laughs> did it again. <laughs> uh, uh, tell me you just... Did you just come yeah, up with that? that was just... Oh, my gosh. Right. That just That's happened. not like an old joke no, on not, the not, Watts subreddit or not something? Not that I know of. <laughs> Uh, two flares in 10 seconds seriously that was amazing uh so anyway <laughs> oh my goodness we, we our work here is done <laughs> thanks, thanks for thanks joining for us, us on donate the to patreon see you later now uh we we've come far afield ladies and gentlemen i want to get back to our original question it's is, Brittany, bitch <laughs> <laughs> We are we are in very far matting now. Uh, Ken, that was not as good. Oh, <laughs> You're not as good. I know, I know. That's why I keep inviting Kyle back. Uh, okay, so back to Rand and whether he's a good guy. Uh, does it matter that uh, our our good characters like him and want to be around him? I'm thinking specifically of the Wonder Girls. Um, well, and, no. and the and the question talks about his extrajudicial killing right. scheme or whatever. Who's he plotting to kill, though? In this it's instance, the Ashaman. The Ashaman that have pure revenge killing. So, so well, they are his responsibility. They are his responsibility, and they are not good dudes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he's doing it outside the law, but you know what? At, he's the dragon reborn. He well, is the law, and and they need to be dealt with. So. I mean, I agree with Ryan. He's not necessarily a good dude anymore. He's like going crazy and, and he's making choices um, that, you know, you, you couldn't necessarily consider good choices for like a moral human being for whatever standard you're holding him to. Right. But uh, yeah, he's he's still definitely a good guy because okay. if he weren't, then he would be Taim and he would be training the Ashaman to do evil things. The guy's got a little bit on his plate. I, I mean, to, to be fair to him. It really depends on where we're drawing the line on as what a good guy, what classifies yeah. as a good guy, because he really isn't training the Ashaman to do anything that's good. The, He's said, you're weapons, and you're yeah. you're going to kill, and you're going to do these things, and that's... Mm-hmm. And I, I don't see that as being... I see that as being a necessity, but not necessarily a good, yeah. good thing. And he's doing some good in the midst of also doing a lot of bad at the same time, so I... I, I, the quantity quality battle would be there as to whether or not he's a good guy or bad guy right now I think that he's more of a bad guy than a good guy um, but that's okay I actually I actually think that that's kind of the plan of the dark one um, if I'm entirely honest uh, if you can't kill him and you can't beat him early enough then get him to join you right emperor with Luke you know join me, take your father's place at my side, and you're in the final, their final battle. Like, that's kind of a bad... Like, the ultimate bad guys frequently try and turn the protagonist to their side before the end. And so I think a lot of things that Rand is being driven to in preparation for the last battle are a an attempt to get him in a position that the Dark One could convince him to be on his side and to be a forsaken, to to be... What do they call it? What do they call it? Nablus? Nablus, yeah. Nablus. Right. which Morden has been declared. Yeah. So he and Morden will fight. The Dark One will say, kill him and take your place as Nablus. And Rand will have his moment of, he'll have his, you know, come to the creator moment and be good guy again. He'll throw Kalandor aside and say, I am an Ashaman. 
like my father before me or whatever. <laughs> uh, okay, I don't think you've ever asked this. Uh, same user, by the way, Oxford Tom. I don't think you've ever asked this. She might be able to lie. She's using a kind of compulsion on Aes Sedai, and she nearly poisons Cad Swain's tea. Can we trust Varen? No, 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 no. And I haven't thought so since, what was it, book two? Well, yeah. Well, book two, she was just kind of like a... Are we re- where do we reference little. that she can lie? I don't remember. I, I don't know. I, I don't know that either, but I just focusing on the last, can we trust her? No, and I don't think we could trust her in book five, was I, it? When I mean, she, I, I've always interpreted it as when, she's just really good at isodying the truth. That's kind of what I've yeah. heard. Um, when, did, my, when did Alana bond, uh, force bond four, Rand? Four or five, five, I think. Something like five, that. yeah, that's yeah. when I stopped trusting her because she seemed like she was... Well, she was puppeting the Emmons Field girls, and she was manipulating the truth. Even then, I haven't trusted her in four books. I mean, well, Varen, I think she actually, if I'm thinking back to that sequence, she, I remember right, she actually warns them against don't, uh, don't trust Alana, mm-hmm. don't trust like because I, my inclination would be that she's, I would still trust her. She's still a good, a good person. There might be some yeah. things there, but. Yeah, and and as far as the compulsion is concerned, at least from this you know point of view so far, she kind of explains that I believe in in those chapters where she's taking that was in the last yeah book, in the right? last book where she's taking in an Sedai into a tent to like interrogate uh, them, and it's for you know whatever her purpose is. But uh, I don't like I said I I've always read it as Varen is just really good at getting around those obligations of the three olds. But. I cannot remember exactly what it was, but there was something during the, uh, during the Shadar Logoth taint cleansing ba- battle where Varen, we're, we're in Varen's head for a few brief paragraphs and something in there made me think to myself, Oh no, I, okay. I'm on board with her. She seems to be, yeah, she's ultimately, she's doing things her way, mm-hmm. but, it seems like she's a decently motivated character. Yeah. Uh, so I, at, at least for now, there was something in. The, I just I don't know. There's too much. Every single time that she's the focus of a of a chapter or or a section of a chapter, I just I don't I don't like her. I mean, she comes off as as a simple little oh she's the the clumsy little socially awkward brown, but she. I'll tell you one thing. Just does too many things that make me go. She's uh, one of my favorites to read. Because Jordan doesn't do a lot of um, moral nuance with his characters all the time. Some of them he does. Uh, You know, we've already discussed whether Rand is a good guy or bad guy. And, you know, he'd be a a good example of it. But for the most part, it's a a bit Tolkien-esque in the fact that, like, the good guys are really good and the bad guys are really bad. Yeah. Uh, but Varen is a great example, and it's kind of like reading Elida as well, where it's like, yeah, this is a this is a complex and interesting person who just because she's in the good guys camp doesn't mean that you have to like or trust her all the time. Um, you wish that she would be more communicative with the rest of the team, and she doesn't seem to be. Uh, anyway, I like reading her for that reason. She seems to be a little more nuanced and interesting than than say Elaine, for instance, yeah. right? So totally buy that. 
anyway, okay, let's move on to another one. If uh, I like this one a lot, and uh, I hope we don't spend more than one minute on it. If you ran an inn, what ritual instru- instrument of domestic abuse would you put in the nightstand? That sounds awful, by the way. That's pretty filthy. But uh, never mind. It's uh, I, who's the innkeeper who's ritualistically torturing people? Uh, I don't know. Not I'm, sure. I'm not getting this reference on on this. Perhaps you read a special edition that we did not have. <laughs> I'm sure it was it's in there. Not, we just missed. It wasn't even the legendarium edition. <laughs> Somebody went in and grabbed your copy and slipped, you know, ten pages of Fifty Shades of Grey into it or something. <laughs> that, that wasn't Winter's heart. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. It's, uh, this 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 seems to be made of red velvet. <laughs> Don't know what to make of this. Is that the one that Elaine uh, used in the last That's book? What, the, the, what was it? The red rod. The red rod. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's what would be in the nightstand. It's coated in red leather. <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's move on. Why is this Idom fur line? Dang it, where's my mouse? There we go. All right, so, and I did not catch this. This person, Shifuju, Shifuju? I don't know how to read Reddit handles, but there you go. So Luke is Rand's uncle, if I'm reading chapter 22 correctly, to which I said, what? Huh? Say that again. Luke, uh, Lord Luke, the Slayer. Remember him from book yeah. four? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Luke is Rand's uncle, if I'm reading chapter 22 correctly. What's up with that? And will it be important at all in the series? And to which I would say, well, if that's true, yeah, then it's yeah. going to be important. But I did not catch that. But maybe I just wasn't paying close enough attention as I was reading. I don't know. I got to go back and read chapter mm. 22 again. Did you guys catch that? I w- I w- I'm going to double check on it, but I'm pretty sure that that's a thing. Um, because I'm... of the Andoran bloodline, like, ness that's happening mm. um, with, throughout the book within other areas. I'm <sighs> pretty sure, but I don't, I didn't focus on it on this reread. And, and I, I remember hearing about it, but I don't have much more to say on it than that. But I'm pretty sure... Like 80% sure that, yes, that's correct. That's, because uh, I've been on this kick the uh, on a couple episodes talking about how you get to know that Rand has some additional family, Rand has a sibling, right. Rand has some of the things out there. And I'm trying to remember in my studies of that, if he... Has, it, it hasn't mattered up to now that he has all this other family running around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if Luke And honestly I don't think it will. I think it's a piece for you to grab onto if you want to. I don't think that it's I don't I think it's there for Robert Jordan said, here's this thing over here. If you catch it, great. If not, then it's not gonna affect you the story a whole lot. To right. to be completely honest, I that entire section force turned off my brain and I don't remember much of it at all i mean i i really don't i was very interested in the reveal that luke was the assassin from the last book yes right who killed the two Aes Sedai, one of whom at least was a dark friend Mm -hmm. or were they both dark friends i don't remember who knows these are long ass books you know you know whose uh whose family relations are going to become important though are rand's kids apparently because he's gonna have a lot of them oh right so we'll probably talk about that. Okay. Yeah, we'll talk about that um, later. Later. Well, uh, okay, here's another one from that same Reddit user. It seems pretty obvious that the Ashaman attempted to murder Rand due to Taim's command. I would say yes, that's I true. I would say because that's pretty much they true. They actually confirmed that in the narrative. Since, yeah. Um, 
which seems to confirm Taim is at least a dark friend, if not a forsaken. I think we are most too. or all of the Ashaman dark friends. I don't think it's that obvious. I it's obvious to me that Taim is incredibly um, uh, ambitious and arrogant, but it doesn't mean that he's a dark friend. It could mean that Taim still believes that he is the dragon reborn. Oh, 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 I'm I'm totally thinking of yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm. Um, I was thinking of Deshiva again for some reason. Who was oh, right. you know who was a Forsaken, but Mazram Taim. I I don't know that he's necessarily a dark friend. I just think he is a. I won't say slimy, but he's he's a bad guy with with bad ambitions, and he <coughs> wants to be he wants to be you know the most powerful. Uh, male channeler. He wants to, you know, rule by force and all that. Okay, okay. Um, Ryan, do you? Well, you've read far enough ahead. Now I get real nervous asking you about this sort of thing. Like if I, I think so, when it comes to Taim specifically, if he can't be the champion of the light, and he really wants to be somebody's champion, that's yeah, yeah, maybe. I will say to the to the last question though. I don't think most of the Ashaman <laughs> are dark friends. I think they're Taim friends. Well, yeah, he's kind of brainwashing them Yeah, so uh, to be his soldiers. Yeah. Let me ask you this question. It's a question that popped up in my reading, that I came up with in my reading, and I am a little bit further ahead, but it still has not been answered for me. Um, if you remember back a ways, there was this whole concept that's kind of been forgotten about that 13 Aes Sedai could, or 13 Forsaken or whatever, could turn someone to... Uh, forcibly turn them to the dark. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering if that has been put in play in some place, whether on Taim or if Taim Ooh. ends up like recruiting Ashaman to start turning others. Like, or is that why he's so bitter? Because he's serving the dark, but he would prefer not to. Uh, I don't know. It's the that forced into it. That concept came up into my mind the other day, and I was like, I wonder if that has that's been in play a little bit more than I've than we've been informed of. That's really good, man. That's a that's a good observation. Um, man, that reminded me of somebody else's question, but now I don't remember which one it was. I will say in all of those, it's Rand's own darn fault. I mean, if he'd show up at the farm once in a while. That's that's one of the biggest mysteries to me, and it, it makes no sense with his character. Yeah. And it kind of just feels like convenient writing that Rand never visits the farm. It, he never it kinda, checks up. Except for like the when he first sets it up, and then he goes back. You know, no, I mean, a, I mean, a few he, days he, later. Do, he doesn't visit the farm, but I disagree with with it not being within with its it, character. Yeah, because yeah, he is so afraid of all of the Ashaman. Um, he because Luz Theron tries to seize hold of Sidine every time he encounters different men who can channel, and he always is saying like, "Kill them," you know, whatever they shouldn't be here. So especially as we progress through these books and Rand has this sickness and he's not trusting himself to be able to actually take control of Sidene when he, even when he's just by himself, um, he's losing his grip on that and on, on his sanity. I think originally he stayed away because there was too much stuff going on. And I think that gradually as that has, and, and, and too, because Taim's there and, and he's afraid of his interactions with Taim and, and how loose there and rages. Um, so yeah, I, I still think it's a problem. I still think that Rand is at fault. He should still go there and check on this 
place that he's created with all these ultimate, basically nuclear warheads. With all these and, weapons uh, that he's created. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not necessarily excusing, excusing him. him, but I do think that it has a place in the narrative. I would uh, hope maybe. I. It's one of those things like, hey, guy, I just cleansed the taint of Sidene. Maybe I should go say hi to everybody and let them know what just happened because they're probably, you know, they're all feeling it, but be like, yeah, mm-hmm. guys, just just so you know, that was me. Drinks right, on me. Right here. <laughs> you go ahead yeah. and drink in that Sidene's juice, you know, no worries about going crazy now. <laughs> Which raises the question, they don't go, they're not going to get crazier. Are they going to stay as crazy stay as, they, as are? they are or walk backwards? Like what's... Where yeah, does that sit gonna, now? Well, you do you know, have residual seems... taintage on your head? They're like, <laughs> I cannot get the smell of that taint out of my <laughs> fingers. Uh, <laughs> no, it makes me wonder. It, well, it makes me think back to our previous examples of people going crazy from Sidene, and it seems to happen suddenly. The example I'm thinking of is at the end of book eight, after the attempt on Rand's life by the three or four Ashaman, uh, the one, there's oh, yeah, the, one who, is he defending him? And he ends up going crazy. I can't remember the kid's name, yeah. but, but he goes crazy. And it was very sudden. He wasn't showing symptoms before. And then suddenly he's babbling like a little mm-hmm. uh, toddler on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, and that's it. So that makes me think, no, it, when, when Sidene makes you go crazy, you kind of snap. And so if you aren't there yet, it's not like... I think it's explained when they start the farm and they start talking about Ashaman in general that it's never um, it's never the same. So it can just be a snap, like instant, like you were saying with... with I can't remember his yeah. name either, but it just one minute, one minute he's not and then the next minute he's totally crazy. Um, but it doesn't happen that way for everyone. It, some of them gradually... like Even like uh, some of the Ashaman that just sit there and mumble to themselves, like that's a sign and a symptom that like something's happen happening and even Rand himself. I mean, you look at him, I mean, you could argue that he's already full blown nuts and we're just getting, you know, the way that it is. And we don't, he's just fully you know, functioning nuts. He's, yeah. Right. But, uh, it, it came on gradually for him. So well, I don't and, think it's the same across the board. And Cad Swain, she asks, you know, when she asks Rand, are you hearing the voices yet? You know, she's run into this before. Like, I would assume that there's something there. I, I, I just would be curious to know if that cleansing took everything. Where, where do these Ashamans sit? Because they're going to now have to convince the world, which thank heavens, Nynaeve was able to like to feel Sida or Sidene and to sense the other side. So there's at least a little bit of somebody who can. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, empathize. Not empathize. When you can ju- say something that someone uh, you were a part of it, you advocate for. No. Ugh. What are Screw you it. talking about? Yeah. I'm lost as well. Yeah, it's a c word. And <laughs> <laughs> all right, that goes well. This um, is this is the best radio of I know, all time. It's high end. It, somebody's screaming it out right now. You can with confirm, with regards that, to the yeah. madness, confirm though. will work. You can yeah. confirm that this actually happened. With regards to the madness, I am curious to see what toll it takes on Rand having cleansed Sidene, mm-hmm. because in that process... Corroborate. <laughs> corroborate. Thank there you. you. Yes, the word I win the for. game. Yes. I'm sorry, Kyle. Oh, you're go good. Um, that piece of the word of the day toilet paper was I half torn. I haven't gotten to that <laughs> piece of the toilet paper yet. In the process of cleansing Sidene, he has taken upon the entirety of that taint 
upon himself. Um, and it describes right, has, that. Yeah. It yeah. describes that. And he says, yeah. you know, that he could feel all of that and just the weight of it. And, and, um, basically that, you know, it felt like Rand didn't really exist anymore. He was sighting and essentially the taint that was on sighting. So I'm curious to see what toll that's going to take on Rand and his individual madness because now it's cleansed and it's gone, but he did not only, you know, channel for however long he's been doing that through the taint and become mad in that process, but now right. he's taken on the full force of that. You know, speaking of which, that was also another point. We were talking about uh, the tendency of writers to make their protagonists uh, Christ figures, basically, especially oh, yeah. in Western literature. Well, there's a pretty big moment taking right on, there. Taking on the taint of the world? Yeah, every every little bit of the taint and then, like, describing, you know, cleansing that and basically saving the world through that process. Yeah, yeah it's very, very uh, explicit Christian imagery there anyway there's enough it. variation in it though i don't think he took the taint on him he put a, he in my vision it was less of a sexual encounter as it was a water slide thing like he, Which, he built by this. the way put your yeah. hands together man <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, I, I don't think i don't think that he got the taint on him while he was cleaning it out i think he was <laughs> wow <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. You, you guys, guys, I'm so excited. We are going to have, let's see, 10, 11, 12, five books. We're going to have five books taint free. They're, the jokes can probably ish end. Uh, Hopefully. We'll, maybe, maybe we'll get yeah, a few. Right. Like at the beginning we all of knew this day was going to come and that there you, would uh, be two hours of this. But have you met us? Yeah. Look, I'm just saying. I'm getting a little bit tired of how giggly I get at taint jokes. Like this is this is pathetic, and yeah. so I'm very excited for this not to. I be I had to turn away from the anymore. mic when you said on the last episode something about wiping it out, and I was like, uh, <laughs> "Why would you choose that word?" Um, Deliberately, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I I don't I to the point I don't see Rand as in a Christ figure since they're taking the taint on him. It was just kind of a he shuttled it from one place to another. Yeah. So. Okay, all right. It was like the Ghostbusters in the River of Slime. Uh, all right. Ooh, okay. Despite being heavily targeted during the cleansing, the operation was not interrupted. What do you think would have been the consequences had the flows been interrupted? Well, I think they pretty much summed it up with a whole, you could break the world again. Well, yeah, but nobody knows. Nobody knows anything about it. It's true, but... I'm, I'm wondering if then, if you're risking um, tainting Sidar. Because he's Ooh, nice because they're yeah. mixing so and much. so if if he loses control in any moment that now spreads and now you're screwed that would be so oh, that would have been compelling. that would have been awesome and now i'm wishing he had written that oh boy <laughs> that oh would've, boy yeah. that would have been a compelling last five or if he books. just transfers it from sighting to sidar so sighting is cleansed but now it's sidar and all the female yeah, channelers go right because you want crazy women being crazy I kind of thought of, um, I, I was thinking of Elaine in the last book releasing the weave mm -hmm. for the gateway and it makes and this it like up. this giant explosion and uh, it kind of made me think of that and, and if he uh, lost control of the weave and it imploded on itself with something so big and so powerful, like you want to talk about breaking the world, like what if you literally cracked the world in half and broke it apart and everybody died? Mm like that would be consequential the chasm it's, of the world it would be terrible writing for this series but i actually i think you could very easily still every power user 
Ooh, nice. Oh. Like, um, go go nine books into your series and then all of a sudden take out your magic system entirely. Just that would be so fascinating. Oh. The entire world okay. is formatting. All right. all right, fan fiction writers. Ready, set, go. You're the alternate timeline. <laughs> Seriously. No, that would be dude. really interesting. Um, okay. And, and that reminded me. I'm sorry. I There was something I was going to bring up on the last episode and then you just reminded me of it. One of, one of you said that when he was drawing in all this power, he was drawing in all of the power, mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. of the one power. And I, that can't be true because people are still using it around him. Um, there's still the battle going on between the Forsaken and the uh, the others. That is the Cad Sweeney's. Yeah, but still. And so anyway, that's I. I don't think that that's accurate. But I don't think that the power necessarily has. It's like, not a pie. Yeah, it's not a limit. It's, it's not it's, a zero sum thing. But yeah, I. My question then to to challenge this is to say then how do you remove all of the taint from something that is an infinite mass? No. Well, how do you taint oh. something that is an infinite mass? Right. Well, if if it can be done, it can be undone. E- yes. Mm-hmm. I I'm, also I don't I also don't know if the fact that Rand is channeling Sidene makes it so that nobody else can channel that source. So he's 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 not ne- he's not necessarily even channeling it and using it in like he he is channeling flows and creating something and he's turning it into this conduit and pushing the other side through. However, he's not necessarily using all of that power to He's just that? accessing the entirety of it at once. Yeah, that's so, that's kind of what I was envisioning. That he has mm-hmm. normally when you access it, you let a flow into you, but he's actually opened up and like the entire lake of Sidar or Sidene is right there for him available. Right. And you know. Okay. All right. Uh, well, moving on. Uh, this was um, again back to Shifu Juju or whatever. The, I don't know how to say that name. Uh, but uh, in response to that question that we just went over. And how the hell are the vaunted chosen so soundly defeated? Not so scary after all. Uh, and that's kind of been the impression I've been getting ever since about book four, where yeah, yeah, these these guys aren't so terrifying after all. And there's there's something that Robert Jordan has been doing a lot. There's this pattern that he does where he he, he sets up something. I, I mentioned it last time where he sets up a rule and then immediately goes about breaking it. He. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't even really set up the rule. He just states that it's a rule and then immediately breaks it. And in this case, it is that um, uh, the Aes Sedai are X powerful. And, and you know, and, and there's variations within it, but they have this many Sidar units within them. And then Egwene and Nynaeve and Elaine come along and it's like, oh my gosh, these are some powerful girls. And Nynaeve is incredibly powerful. And then suddenly you're meeting Windfinders who put Nynaeve to shame. And you're meeting Cad Swain who's really powerful. And you're meeting all Damani, these people. Who are, yeah, the and, and suddenly it really has defanged the Forsaken in a big way throughout the last five extent. or six books. To an extent. Because the Forsaken have all the knowledge that they have. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think in this case, it's a little bit disingenuous to say like, oh, they're not so scary after all because they got their asses kicked at... at um, the cleansing of Sidene. The problem with that is they show up because there's this beacon of power that's being used. So they're basically like, oh man, I got to go, go check it out, yeah, check it out. Or something is happening. I've got to go. And they're going into it expecting to be the most powerful being there aside from probably Rand. Cause they know that Rand's there. And 
it's, I mean, pretty much every Forsaken point of view that you read, and it, I think he does a wonderful job of jumping around in that scene. Mm-hmm. But pretty much every Forsaken very point cinematic. of view, very cinematic. Yeah, he, uh, they're all very surprised at what they're encountering. So they didn't like Demondred uh, is really surprised that they're in a ring or they're linked together. He's like, I don't even, you know, basically mentions that he didn't even know that they could do that. Um, he knows that it's possible, but he didn't know that they had the ability to do that. They knew knew that it was a thing. Um, They run into not knowing that uh, there's even Ashaman that can channel. There was a couple of the Forsaken that were surprised at a man throwing, you know, weaves at them. And so they go into this situation almost entirely blind of what they're running into. And they're used to being, you know, not having that kind of, uh, resistance resistance yeah. or whatever so yes to an extent they're not as scary as they have been put up to be um, they are these legendary forsaken or whatever but you're starting to realize that they're also very human um, they, they have limits and things like that and I think that's part of the cool factor um, in this series that they the reason that they're so scary isn't just because they're so powerful it's because it's been passed down from generation to generation and, and the idea that that can actually increase, right. you know what I mean? Yeah, well, yeah. I go back, I go back, I, we had this conversation, I don't even remember how far back we had it, but this concept that we have that in Randland here, in the Andor, in Kyrie, and in these different places, there has been a genetic pullback of... You know, Aes Sedai don't often get married, and they certainly aren't marrying men who channel. Um, and so there's probably, there's been a genetic... Dist- d- distillation? Yeah, of the power. Oh, no, then what's the opposite of it? It's a... Uh, oh, gosh, it's another D word. <laughs> I was going to say, de- uh, I was going with decline, a, but... A diffusion. Yeah, diffusion! There, there we go, go, Ken, thank you. But um, the reason why I, this conversation is now relevant again is we have the first children of two power users announced in this book that's true they say uh she should have she should have had used her birth control she didn't now she's going to have a boy and a girl and with elaine being such a powerful user and Rand being such a powerful user what are these children going to be like right in terms of power and that's if you actually take go and look at the helper guide there's actually a ranking system for power that they use which i have not spend enough time to figure out. I just know it's some ridiculous thing. It's like Rand is a plus fourteen D, and he's like, it, <laughs> is that re- his bra size? Yeah. Or yes, that's what it seems like. But as a whole, especially inside of the this area that we spend most of our time, generally the Aes Sedai are weaker. They right. are weaker, um, which is weird. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been a weird way that these novels have gone. So uh, we'll see where that ends up. All right, let's move on to. Fanfic hater. This is a Reddit user who is not going to appreciate the <laughs> fanfiction that I've called for. Uh, fanfic hater asks, of the characters in this book without a POV chapter, which one do you most wish had one and why? And I don't know. I don't know who we met that you don't see the point of view from. The only one I thought of was Egwene, but she's not even in the book. Um, but she also thus doesn't have a point of view chapter and I like I like Egwene stuff and so I missed her 
But other than that, I, I wasn't sure. I, I bet this person has somebody in mind. And so I hope does. I hope Fanfic Hater will get on the uh, the Reddit thread for this episode and let us know. It feels like somebody, I feel like everybody had some form of POV or another, but um, did you know? But who, not everybody. Did uh, Tuan have a little bit? No. When she was getting off the ship, or was that from somebody oh. else's perspective? Because I I'd like to get to know her. I I think she did. She did have a little section of no. one. I have no desire to get to know two on. I just, I, I guess, um, I like, I like Matt, and I find him interesting enough mm-hmm. that I want to get to know the person who is obviously going to be tied to him for the rest of the books. So yeah, there's that for me. The, to answer the question though, I think the it's the same answer every time. Is is Pot on Fane? I'd like more. I'd like more of Pot on Fane. Okay. I want to get into that crazy head a bit. I think to understand more of the bad guy's perspective of what this means, I would love to have a point of view chapter from Moradin or one of the other Forsaken that weren't necessarily... What about, um, what's the little snaky guy called? Who's always trying to kill Matt? Uh, Oh, the Golom. Golom. The Golom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't mind a little POV from the Golom. Uh... He's, he, he's not a human, and so well, maybe but that's But he, he can obviously bounds. think and talk and, and all of that. I mean, right. I I just thought he was, you know, a mindless killing machine. You know, go get your target, and he goes that, and gets That was it, my uh, nickname in prison, by the way. Mindless killing machine? Yeah, that's right. It's still your nickname. I want uh, uh, Shidar Haran. Ooh, the chapter. murder. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just for, like, kicks and giggles. Like, I just kind of want a Shidar Haran miniseries. Yeah, because he's just, like, chilling... Back at uh, Shale Ghoul, like playing Xbox, and <laughs> yeah. I don't know uh, he, exactly his whole perspective. Like, and anytime like, there's not a Forsaken there, he's just sitting there playing tic tac toe on the wall or something like that. <laughs> yeah, just something like yeah. He's ba- bouncing He's opening the ball and closing the, the the spikes. Like he's got a garage door opener. He's like <laughs> he's like doing the whole mirror shadow jump thing and like trying to time himself how quickly he can get around. Like trying <laughs> try to see if personal he can, best. <laughs> trying to see if he can see himself before he appears in the other corner. Oh, you know what he's doing? He's doing a rock training montage there you go <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. shadow oh, puppets man. on the wall or something i want to <laughs> i want to see pat on i want to see the dialogue between pat on fane and the voice in his head because i bet that's a special kind of crazy yeah andy circus style yeah be okay. uh all right well i think i think we've gotten to all the questions that we wanted to get to um on reddit there is a uh, user fell knight has given us quite a few bullet points uh, that we can go through, including He's got a whole lightning the one round. that I wanted to... Yeah, this is like a lightning round thing. Everything about Matt and the Daughter of the Nine Moons. And so I've brought her up a little bit. I want to hear what you guys think. I really enjoyed the Matt chapters in this book, um, if it's, only because it, it, we get somewhere yeah. with them. It's a super enjoyable kidnapping scene. Yeah, <laughs> where she <laughs> kicks his ass and then, and then he gets some help. And then he like rolls her up in a carpet and then takes her <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> So yeah, that was pretty fun. And he's finally out of the rapey rape castle. So oh gosh, that's nice. I gotta say that that was some weird stuff. That was a weird decision on Jordan's part. But uh, yeah, and some... crazy rapey queen has finally let him go. It's like okay, you mm-hmm. can go. Uh, yeah. What? Yeah. What? What? Yeah. Use more words. <laughs> <laughs> this is a podcast. Do you need the word toilet paper? I, I, I I'm not gonna say anything too much on this but when i first read that i went that's not a good idea oh to kidnap her 
to kidnap, well, to kidnap Tuan, because now you got the entire Shan Chen there, but also to leave Tylen the way he did. That's not a good idea. What did he do? But what was the alternative? She oh, didn't want to go. because she, uh, he like tied her up and... Um, you just tied up a monarch and put her underneath the bed, and even though she had like gave you the idea, that's not a that's not a good idea. So now you have two nations after not you, basically. Plan. Not a great plan. Okay, yeah. it, right. it, okay. it just shot up a flag. I'm like, that's Matt. That's a bad idea, Matt. That's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, Black Aja hunt in the prologue. Do the ends justify the means? That's one of my notes. In- and uh, it's an interesting question. And this episode has been pretty light on the philosophical stuff that I really like. So we can dig into this one a little bit for a few minutes. I, I don't know quite how to answer it. I, I don't think that the ends ever justify the means um, in themselves. I There's always extenuating circumstances and there's always more to consider. Are you saying that as a whole or in regards to this specific? No, I'm I'm thinking as a whole. I'm very uncomfortable with the idea that the ends ever justify the means. Okay. Um, Yeah. I'm as well. But, uh, but in this case, let's see. So give, give me a rundown. What happens again? They're, they're tying up Aes Sedai and forcing them to, to re-swear their oaths. They're tying them to the torture torture table. What's her name to the torture chair and and then make her renounce the dark and come back to the light and swear to serve the light on the oath rod again. She has to re-swear the three oaths. You have to re-swear the three oaths with a special fourth oath to To obey obey us. Yeah. 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 So if we want to, if you break it down, so as a whole, generally I agree with you. I'm not a big fan of ends justify the means um, until it's right. Um, And that's and that's the the great discussion. Um, in this case, for the most part, I think this is okay because what they are asking them to do is to reswear their oaths, and then they and then they do that fourth oath, which is where I have the biggest problem with it. That's the piece that has to be there. Um, I I don't know. I when it comes down to finding. I'm going to get myself in some real dark, deep and troubling waters here with some people. Um, when it comes to finding the bad guys, uh, sometimes... You got to Jack Bauer them? A little bit. Yeah. And But the thing is, they're not Jack Bowering them. They're not doing anything to them other than re-swearing their oaths. This is the argument of, well, but isn't if the, you're a good guy, you have nothing to fear, so go ahead and surrender your right, your rights to privacy and everything else right. because there's nothing there, like which I'm not a fan of. But in this case, like I don't... The last battle's around the corner. I understand. I don't know. I, I'm i okay with this, but only barely. Yeah. So you're the Dick Cheney of this podcast. <laughs> Give me a shotgun and see what happens to your face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. It's, it's okay when Halliburton does it. It's an interesting question. And, it, and it's a question that obviously we're not going to satisfactorily answer on this podcast because it's been plaguing mankind since the dawn of mankind mm-hmm. yeah so do the ends justify the means i'm very skeptical of it but generally uh, speaking i am a principle over but, party kind of guy and i don't but if yeah. somebody okay so if somebody like kidnapped my child and i had an informant in my garage and the only way that i thought i could get him to talk was to rip out all of their fingernails and then like pluck out their eyes and you know whatever torture thing like you better believe I'm going to do that shit. Yeah. Like they're screwed. (laughs) 
you know, like yeah. So I, you see yeah. what I'm saying? So I have principles. Liam Neeson and Taken, and you know, the, I, I have principles, yeah. but they only so go so far. So I don't, I don't want to weigh in on the necessarily the ends justify the means portion of this, but he doesn't want people to yell at him on Reddit. No, I don't. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I do want to weigh in on like the the storytelling, like how this actually affects the uh-huh. story. And to be honest, I don't care. Um, because this is all happening with characters I don't care about. Yeah, it's happening it's in a true. place that I don't care about. It all feels very non-consequential, whether or not they actually find the Black Aja or turn people from the Black Aja. I mean, it gives you the idea that it can be done, I guess, but I don't care. There's so many other things that are happening in the story at this point that I'd much rather... See. like If this were involving one of our first tier, second tier, or even third tier characters, um, maybe I'd care because maybe it comes back into play on a higher important level. Uh, not to say that it won't, but when I'm reading through this, mm-hmm. I'm just thinking, usually I'm a big fan of prologues and dark friends shenanigans goings on, but in this particular instance, I don't care. You know what this reminds me of? This discussion is... Um... Uh, something I haven't brought it back to in a long time, which is Lord of the Rings. I haven't talked about the Lord of the Rings in a while. You guys should be very proud of me. Uh, I think I'm I pretty s- sure in this episode you went. You I, I said, said it was very Tolkien. I said Tolkien esque. That is not talking about the Lord of the Rings per se. Uh, no, but I, I do want to bring it back to that because yeah, he wrote Harry Potter, right? <laughs> <laughs> so he did something that I think is very wise. And and to Kyle's point, Robert Jordan might have taken a page out of this book which is you don't have to tell us every single thing that's happening to every single character all the time. And so when you read The Lord of the Rings, you have, uh, there's your main storyline, your Frodo and Sam, and there's even a little bit of branching off and you go into, you know, the Aragorn storyline and the whatever else, the Merry and Pippin and all that stuff. Uh, but it's but it's a fairly tight narrative uh, centered around this quest, right? What he doesn't tell you uh, and he kind of puts in the appendices to the Lord of the Rings because he couldn't fit it in is the love story with Aragorn and Arwen. There's there are battles happening in there's a huge battle at Erebor. Lothlorien is burning. There's there's stuff happening all over the world in Middle Earth during the time of the Lord of the Rings. It's uh, that's not the only battle that's happening, but he focuses in on that and just says, you know, maybe he'll mention a few things here and there that stuff is going on, but we're not for the sake of this story. We're not going to worry about it. So to Kyle's point, maybe Robert Jordan could have taken a page out of that and said, you know what? Nobody cares. Yeah. uh, There are dark friends in the white tower. Well, guess what? We haven't spent much time there in a long time and we're not going to spend a lot of time there for a while. Or even if, why do we care? Or even if you want to, and if it is an important thing that comes back later on, give me somebody that I care about in that scene so that I do actually attach some importance to it. Send Varen because, back or something. Because it gets very easy to say, oh, yeah, that was a thing that happened, I guess. you know. Um, so that's that's my criticism of that. I, th- I think, you know, like everything else, it does play a part, and whether it's a large part or a small part, whatever. But uh, in this instance... Who cares? Yeah. Okay. The one thing it does for me that I that I do appreciate in having it there um, is it really makes me appreciate the structure of the Black Aja because as soon as they got one, a lot of times you could say, well, now they've got 20. 
they, they get the names of 20 or right. whatever, they're still having to go one by one through people to try and figure it out. So there's obviously a pretty... If you're going to find the Black Aja, it's going to take a pretty big effort and something that's pretty big because you're you're squishing one ant. Well, that's a, it's a, a hallmark of insurgencies everywhere, right? Um, it's a that's a big thing with counterterrorism is yeah you find yeah. one cell congratulations they have no idea who anybody else is in the organization yeah, and mm-hmm. so you you've gotten not nowhere but not very far you you keep the anonymity so that nobody so. can squeal on on somebody else yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah nobody likes a rat all right snitches get stitches <laughs> uh that's so i think we'll leave there there were plenty of other bullet points that fell knight gave us but I want to hear in our last few minutes what are the things you guys want to talk about because I'm sure we haven't gotten to quite a few things. So, uh, Kyle, sorry, let's start with you, Kyle. Um, yeah, we can. Uh, it, it's actually one of the bullet points here, so we'll just kind of go off of that. But the the question here, and it's something that I talked to you at work a little bit earlier today, and said, "Oh, I want to bring this up." Um, we talk too much at work. We should probably get <laughs> something done. Eh, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Um, files, actions, and efforts while in captivity. Does it change your opinion of her? Nope. Not really. But, uh, you know, I, I've been saying it for a while. I don't necessarily dislike Fail herself or necessarily her character. She does some good stuff, and she actually is the driving force behind a lot of the cool things that Perrin ends up doing. But I do dislike her character because of what it does to Perrin's character, um, just in general. So Perrin is a much worse character. With Fael around. With Fael around than if she weren't there. I do remember and, liking reading him and, in the first couple books when he's yeah. first discovering his wolfiness. And, it, and it, has, it has nothing to do necessarily with Fael herself or what she's doing or anything like that, but the way that Perrin reacts to her being around and his infatuation of her and he's in, completely in love with her and he's she's his wife and whatever but but he turns into just this terribly awful character to read after Fael shows up yeah and so it doesn't change who she is or whatever um or my perception of her i still don't like the idea of her because it, it ruins parent for me yeah um however on the on the on the note of Fael, i think a big part of the problem with Winter's Heart and as we get into Crossroads of Twilight, like we la- talked about last episode, and it's you know one of the slowest books and whatever. What's happening with Fael is, if you noticed, when she gets in, we get her first point of view in the first chapter or second chapter of this book, and there's a new icon. So after at the beginning of every chapter. Whoever's character it is, you have the icon. And now we have a new one that we haven't seen. And we're nine books in. We get a new icon. And it's Fael's icon, which tells me a couple of things. It tells me, oh, great. We're in for the long haul. We're in for a long haul (laughs) with a Fael story. We're going to start getting more Fael point of views. Um, And the problem with that is, if that's the case, we are now introducing a first act of a story arc nine books in with 30 to 40 other story arcs that are unresolved at this point, which means if we're introducing a first act, we now have a second act and a third act to look forward to or not to look forward to for Fael's story mm. arc. Yeah. And, and uh. that's for me, the big problem with the slow parts of nine and all of book 10 
is because we've now introduced a completely new story and act this far into the series. I got to say, I'm really wishing you would have brought this up at the beginning of the last episode instead of at the end of this one, because this is like the send off for me to go start book 10. Right. You're That's, not selling me, man. Yeah, you, you just <laughs> deflated my balloon, man. I'm just like, oh, dear. I, I, I'll i say um, in, Fai, in Fail's defense, as much as I hate her, and I hate her, it's one of those where, you know, you have to accept your friend's wives because they're your friend. Uh, I just hate her. But her, her plight did resonate with me. And I just, everything that she went through, I, just, I, could, I could not imagine a more torturous thing than being trudged through the snow, naked. On somebody's shoulder. Oh, my. Well, not even that. I mean, just, you know, to have to, to be basically dragged through. Awful. I yeah. I, I really did sympathize with her in that moment. As much as I hate her, I, I sympathized with her in, in this moment because I couldn't imagine a worse fate. There was some there was some good writing in that section when uh, they finally make camp for the night and then she's laying next to the fire kind of half coherent. Yeah. And it kind of, he describes her listening to screams and then realizing they were her screams as she got closer and closer to the fire and was trying to warm up her frostbitten toes and everything. That was a good bit of yeah, writing. It was, it was, it was very compelling stuff. So good job by Robert Jordan for making me care about Fayil. We will talk sense. more about the parent-Fayil relationship uh, in the next book, but I just want to put this prediction out there right now that I would I would like it if this were the case. I don't know if I'm ready to actually say this will happen, but I would like it if Fayil died and <laughs> uh, and parent <laughs> and, and full stop. Die. No, uh, and then Perrin ended up with Berylaine because I she has grown on me in the last couple books. Um, she's she's an interesting character, and uh, <laughs> Ryan is looking at me like I'm an idiot. No, no, I because I'm in the same camp there. I I told I said it a couple podcasts ago. I'd been like, oh no, there she went. Oh well, hi Berylaine. Yeah. Like that would have been my response, but <laughs> I'm a not as good of a man as Perrin is apparently. Well. Um, Okay, well, uh, we got to move on with our last thoughts, though. So you know, uh, Rand has set the precedent, though. Why can't he have both? <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> okay, let me use that <laughs> as a launching point into this, into this here. So, first off, did you guys catch Land's biggest reaction of the series so far? Um, uh, when he dueled Torum Raiden. No, nope. it's when you, Rand says he loves you to the all three, all three women. women. All three oh, women. Yeah. <laughs> Lan had snatched his pipe from his mouth and was staring at Rand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, there it is. For, for Lan, that's huge. That's, that's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. pretty good. We have managed to avoid the three women bond um, discussion. discussion and the first sister's discussion. Oh, shoot. Dang it. That was one of my... Yeah, I want to get to that. Yeah. Yep. So but, let's do it fast. Yeah. So the first thing I, I just wanted to say, like I've debated and, and questioned through this in this series so far is why is Robert Jordan deciding to allow Rand three relationships or going through the trouble of writing three well, different relationships here. Right. Um, without really ever heavily inferring that there has to be a choice at some time. And he actually, there, he's been very open saying, Nope, uh, the IEL have a way to get around that, and as long as Min's cool with it, we're gonna work around it, whatever. And so I'm like, I, I gotta, f I really want to know why that is, and I actually did a little research and found out that Robert Jordan lived this. Was he a polyamorous guy? Not ex 
Yes-ish. So when he was in college, he had two girlfriends, both dating at the same time. Both knew about each other. Both knew about each other, and they both they scheduled out who got him when. And he and his thought was, and the way he put it in the little interview he had where he talked about this, he said, "Well, if I can manage two, why couldn't Rand handle three? And so he <laughs> that's that was his decision making process there. Wow. <laughs> and his wife slash editor Harriet was not a fan of of you that. You don't all. say. You think. <laughs> I just, to me, like I'm, I'm totally fine with an author injecting a little bit of themselves in there and making that, you know, a part of it there. But part of me is also kind of like, well, that seems a little. It, it reads like wishful thinking to it, me. Yeah, mm-hmm. a little bit of authorial wish fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm okay with it in the long run of the story. It's fine. It doesn't. It doesn't derail anything. But when I found that out, I was kind of like, oh, all right, sure. <laughs> Um, well, okay, so we mentioned it, and I said I want to talk about this, the first sister bonding ceremony. Um, it's awkward, it's weird, it's well written, and, uh, Ryan, you sent a message to the group uh, a couple of days ago, you're, you're reading in whatever book you're in, I don't know, Mm -hmm. um, but you said, oh, this book is, like, making me well up a little bit. And I, and um, it's like the first time in the series, it's it's actually making me not cry per se, but uh, yeah. But anyway, and I thought, well, I've already got to that point, and it was the first sister bonding scene. I loved it. Really, wow. I loved it. It wow. was it, yes. I I am happy to hear everybody's comments on Reddit about how weird it is and awkward to read about the whole like, you know, the the birthing scene. Basically, mm-hmm. I get it. And it is weird, and it was uncomfortable and awkward, but I I think that's kind of by design. But I really liked the moments where they, um, they were dicks to each other because the wise ones made them be, and then they realized that they still loved each other, and uh, and they wanted to go through with this. And there was that he talks about the determination that that they both feel in going through this, and I I thought it was really great. Um, it was for me the strongest scene for Elaine so far in the series, as far as making me care at all about what Elaine is going through. Yes. So um, I just wanted to get that that out there before you all started shitting all over the scene, <laughs> um, and I loved it. I I, I actually I'm I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dump on your point at all. I thought it was an excellently written scene, and I was actually surprised once you get past the awkwardness of everything including the uh the empathetic awkwardness for the parties involved it it was extremely emotional it was interesting how emotional and how um well i can't think of another better word but for for men not men uh, avienda and elaine how emotional it was and not Mm -hmm. just for them but for all the the proxies and that uh involved It, it it's not just some quick throw away. Okay, now we're first sisters. I mean, the whole thing was here she is in the in the throne room and the Aiel come and get her and strip her bare right there not not because of some weird thing but because okay, if not you're Not because of some weird thing. Well, it, it, is, it is because of some weird thing. But it, it it shows from the very beginning it's like what are you willing to go through mm-hmm. to be connected to this person? You know, and and the fact that yeah. she was able to sniff that yeah. out was was great, and so I mean, when you when you look past the awkwardness of it, and you you really realize 
what Jordan's trying to portray there. The, no, you're right. The, the point in this whole thing that made me know that I was in for something unique and a little <laughs> bit different here. I love if only people could have seen your face when <laughs> yeah. you said the word unique. Uh, is when they asked who would bear the labor pains for this and they had to bring in, I think it's a meese mm-hmm. that does it. Somewhere. I was like, I was pretty sure this was going to end up being like a water bond thing. Like you're going to put this weave into her and she's going to put it into you and now you're first sisters. But it's like, a lot more involved. It was okay. So involved. you're becoming first sisters in a very literal biological sense. Like you're, someone is going to be feeling birthing pains and doing all this so that you two can literally have been born together. In right. It. So, oh, all right. I'm, I <laughs> guess I'm in for this. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. But, it was uh, like birthing therapy without the pillows and blankets. Except not. Did I ruin it? Uh, are, we better wrap it up. Kyle, did we get to everything you wanted to talk about? Or are there any yeah, burning so. designs? I mean, we, didn't, we didn't talk about... I mean, we did touch on the weirdness of the whole, like, Elaine gets to sleep with Rand now thing. Um, yeah, I, I but feel like I'm there's curious, a lot more to come with that storyline. So curi- well, I'm curious how that affects with the with the first sister bond and the water bond, like, because Elaine is bonded essentially to Avienda and also Rand. Right. So how does that affect... And Brigitta. There's and, and, yeah, there's all kinds of weird interconnections that are going is, on. There is so much weird and, bondage. Uh, and right. it's just... In this. Yeah, so I'm, I'm curious to see how that works because, you know, to Ryan's point where, you know, Robert Jordan wanted to create this fantasy within his fantasy, I guess, um, where... He has three women for Rand. Who now, are all super hot and uber willing all the time, by yeah. the way. I just want to well, point that but out. The other problem Talking about is, wish fulfillment. Is that Min's not included in that first sister bond. Right. So even though the all three of them are bonded to Rand, there is the odd person out in that relationship. Um at least so between she's the three. Die. So uh, I don't know. But like I would be curious to see what that you know, how that plays out because do they have to go through the same ritual again to include men or are they just going to leave men out of it and then that's going to create its own issue or, I mean. I've seen enough episodes of Sister Wives to know that (sighs) it's unavoidable. There will be tension in all this. I was going to say, as as the father of daughters, I've seen plenty of experiences where three girlfriends inevitably ends badly. Do they have a, you know, schedule like Robert Jordan does at like <laughs> on Wednesdays, Elaine gets to play with Rand's sword that's not a sword and then <laughs> going on from there. And on the other day, she has to play with the red Rand <laughs> Creole. Gosh. Oh, what a way to end it. Uh, so first Calendor! of all, <laughs> first of all, you're all terrible. <laughs> Uh, but I'm the most terrible. I think I, well, yeah. Okay. My language was the worst in this episode. Uh, so we're all terrible people. You're all right. on right. It was, uh, let's cut and run. And this will be the end of this. I know there's some stuff we didn't get to. There always is. We didn't even talk about the attempt on Elaine's life. We didn't the, talk about the spy the... that's in the castle now and all that stuff. There's, there's lots more. The Tavirin color flashes. Um, right. Yeah. We that's... met the creator of the Trollocs. That's true. Yes. Although I think we had before. We've met um, him before, but it, they announced I, in here that Osengar was the one who created the okay. Trollocs. I thought Mardrill. that had been announced already. But anyway, um, so yeah, we'll, let's take this discussion to Reddit and we'll talk to you all there. 
uh, reddit.com <clears throat> slash r slash the legendarium or go to patreon well, i should say and go to patreon.com slash legendarium to support the show and thank you to everybody who does so already and thank you for those who will and we will see you for the next wheel of time episode probably in uh, a couple weeks once we've all finished reading it and uh, marking up that copy that we're going to give away to somebody so look forward to that and uh, you know rules to come for that giveaway and we will see you all then have a good one everybody uh don't don't touch that sword <laughs> <laughs>